American songwriter, we had the opportunity to talk to Max of Will Dorado over Zoom video. Max talked about being born and raised in Tulsa, Oklahoma, and how he got into music. He actually grew up in somewhat of a musical household. His mom was a singer and piano player, so he picked up piano at an early age, but didn't start playing guitar or writing songs until he was in college. Max told us how the band was formed and how the original name was called Bird Dog. They put out a few records as Bird Dog did some touring and then got a cease and assist letter from another band called Bird Dog. And he said that they they challenged them to a battle of the bands for the name. Whoever won the battle of the bands got to keep the name and they just said, keep the name. We'll change ours. They went by Will Dorado and have toured with so many amazing bands. Band of Horses, Rainbow Kitten Surprise, Lindsey Buckingham of Fleetwood Mac, Judah and the Lion, Mount Joy. And they have their first full-length record coming out very soon. They've released two songs from the album. One of those has been remixed by a bunch of people like Gus of Alt-J, RJD2. He told us about that and how those relationships formed. And their most recent single, Head Right. You can watch our interview with Max of Will Dorado on our Facebook page and YouTube channel at Bringing It Backwards. It would be awesome if you subscribe to our YouTube channel and follow us on Instagram and Twitter at Bringing Back Pod. We'd appreciate your support if you follow and subscribe to our podcast wherever you listen to podcasts. We're bringing it backwards with Will Dorado. Well, thank you so much, man, for doing this. I really appreciate it. Um, our podcast is all about you and your journey in music and how you guys started Will Dorado and how you uh, got to where you are now. And we'll talk about, of course, the new single that you guys just put out as well. Cool. Amazing. So first of all, I, I did, are you, are the whole band from Tulsa originally or? Is no. Like, like tell me about, where were you born and raised? I was born and raised in Tulsa, Oklahoma. And Justin Keela, the drummer, was more or less as well. He's kind of in a, there's a little town called Manford. Uh, on Keystone Lake outside Tulsa. He was born and raised there, but, you know, both associate with the city of Tulsa as kind of our hometown. And then Tyler, he is from uh, just south of Dallas, a little town called Waxahachie. Okay. And uh, he and I went to school together at Baylor University in Waco. And long story short, he and I were out in L.A., for different reasons and kind of had a bunch of songs and recorded them all and then sent them to Justin. I honestly didn't know Justin from Adam. I, he, he, uh, he, he's just was like a friend of a friend and I just kind of knew he was a cool dude and we needed a drummer and okay. I knew he was impulsive. So I literally just sent him a Dropbox file of a bunch of songs and he moved out like <laughs> a couple weeks later and lived up with me and, I mean, as we we were just we've for some reason been talking about that a lot recently, he and I. But it was just such a wild thing for him to do. Uh, right. I mean, what a bold move! Like, you know, these songs are good. I'm just gonna move <laughs> my whole life to join this band. Yeah, I and mean, like, how good were they actually? You know, but I'm not really sure. But he sure he sure came out, and we were on the road a couple months later, and it's kind of. You know, the rest is history as far as we're concerned. But, man, he's, you know, one of my best friends now. And it's just so wild that that's how that all started. But it, it is. That's how it all started. That's amazing. So tell me about where, like, you're born in Tulsa. How did you get into music originally? Well, 
I don't know. Probably the same way as anybody else. Just kind of there was, you know, those series of moments where I, I found it just to be something that impacted me and then eventually found it to be something that I was uh, a combination of talented at and just enjoyed spending more and more time doing and uh i mean my family was not it's not like we were super musical my mom's a trained singer and and so she she had a couple of us into piano okay and uh i did grow up watching her like actually train her voice warming up her voice um and she's a very proficient singer so i mean that obviously had some impact on me and it was just, yeah, I mean, it was, I, I have kind of a boring history on, it's not, I wasn't an audiophile, my, my parents weren't, we weren't listening to rad records all growing up, it was just kind of your basic Midwest family, you know, heavy church goers, um, played sports mostly, and then in college, I just kind of got into writing songs, and found a, found a community around that, and I think I, it resembled sports a lot to me. I've always enjoyed kind of being a part of a team. Mm-hmm. And uh, it was like getting to do that without having to run, which was rad. So <laughs> that's a good. I've never heard anyone compare it to sports like that before. That's actually a really good comparison. You're part of cannot, a team. <laughs> I cannot believe how run. much <laughs> music is like sports, dude. Especially, especially now, like, because we're you know, trying to, trying to increase our musicality and, and, and how much we can do. It's crazy how physical it is, especially singing. I mean, it's like, it's, it's exhausting. I have the same anxiety about going to train singing and learning these songs and kind of getting my voice back up to speed as I do, you know, waking up in the morning and having to go to for a run. It's just like that. Like, I don't, I don't want to have to do it sort of vibe. <laughs> That's yeah, that's just so fascinating. Like I said, I've never heard anyone compare, but it makes total sense. It's a muscle you have to exercise, whether you want to or not. That's right. There's no option. There's no option of not doing it. Sure. There was you you talked about playing piano. When when did you start playing guitar? I think uh, it was in college. Oh, really? Wasn't until you were in college. Yeah, yeah, very late in life. Uh, so that's when everything kind of came together. Was when you were in college, you started writing. Yeah, and it really did. I, I don't give it. I don't give it enough credit. But Baylor had through their marketing department, they had a little student-run record label, and you could, you could apply for not apply. You try out more or less. I, I remember you. Someone said you should go do this, and so. I'd never really thought about a life in music and I went and tried out for that and was selected for it. And they kind of run you through like a pseudo process of what it would be like to be on a label and what it would be like to record records. And and you're kind of given a student manager. And so you like work with a team and just kind of develop a little bit of understanding of what creating music would look like in the environment of kind of a business mind state. That's uh, cool. That's really cool. I've never heard of another college ever doing that. I mean, I don't know really if like Berkeley cool. or any, even those schools do it. Yeah, it's really cool. And I wish I was more grateful towards that when I was doing it, you know, I think I was just kind of angsty and, but it, but it like, 
as I look back on it, it really did help me a lot because I kind of went into playing music with this same mind state of like, hey, this is this is an occupation. It can be an occupation. It's not a joke. It's not a hobby. It, it can be all of those things. It, it really mm -hmm. can be what you want it to be. And I've always approached it as something that I just like doing. I wanted to do it well. I wanted to do it with people that also wanted to do it with the like mind and yeah, it was, it was kind of a very interesting way to get into it all. That's amazing. Well, with those first songs, like what inspired you to start writing music and even picking up the guitar in the first place? It just felt good. I think I, huh? I just really enjoyed hearing melody. Uh, and uh, I think that's still all it is for me. I just really, really love that moment of hearing a, a, a piece of music um, as as you know, developed or undeveloped as it might be. And then kind of going on that journey to, to find the melody. And that's just hands down my favorite part of it all. I, I just love that search for melody and, and cadence. And, you know, those first couple of times when that would happen and you go through the struggle of putting it all together and it works out just kind of a drug to me. I love, it's just one of those things in life. I don't think I could do without. Mm-hmm. Did you, what was the first song that you wrote? And like, do you remember showing it to people? Like, how did you get the courage to go to this like student run record label and even audition? Yeah. Uh, kind of multiple questions in there. I, I, I do remember the first song I ever wrote. I don't remember how it goes. I remember it was, I, I had a girlfriend that was older than me in high school and she was going off to college and it was like this first line of just like soon soon you will leave and that that was it <laughs> and i think the rest of the tune was that way and i remember i showed it to her and she was probably like what the hell i need to, i need to get out of this sooner than than later but uh it was <laughs> she uh, bailed because of the song <laughs> probably probably uh but i think it was just that i was you know we were classic like dorm room style everybody's got a guitar in there and i think just i had a buddy that was also a songwriter so i think we probably just exchanged a couple songs and he was doing this thing the next week and and told me i should do it as well and the rest and then, is history yeah i mean i think wow. you kind of just you've always there's always that deal that people ask me you know i i like talking to other people and other bands and other people that are write music and trying to do stuff with music and 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 whenever they ask what should i do I'll, i always think there's a little bit of like an intangible aspect to it is like what what can you do really like you, either it it impacts people and it also impacts you or it or it doesn't and i think for me when i was playing music i i saw that it impacted me and then it also impacted other people and and it just kind of led me to just keep going did you start playing, like once you were kind of involved with this student run record label, did you start playing like open mic nights or were you performing out like the songs you yeah. did at all? Yeah, that was the other thing is they would set up little shows. So it was Zoo Studio, man. That was the that was the band, Zoo Studio. Shout out to John Steen too. My man, John Steen, he was in that band with me. And, uh, and we were just, yeah, we kind of put a little band. He tried out for it. I tried out for it. And they were like, you guys should start a little band. So that's what we did. And and there were there was like a festival at, at Baylor that we played. And then, you know, we played a couple of shows at the student union building. We went up and played the profit bar in Dallas. And we had this little song that people started getting into and 
it's just crazy dude i mean I, i'll never forget i was i drove a little moped at school and we put out a little ep called the black and white ep and and i was like driving on campus and this car cruised past me with the windows down and they were listening to our song and i was like wow yeah it was really rad i, I just remember thinking like i don't know who that person is and they're <laughs> just listening to our tune that's really cool wow and then so obviously there is some traction behind that the black and white record you called it yeah and i don't think you can it's not on spotify it's not on itunes i don't know where where that is but <laughs> we had fun making it man it was just a yeah i just remember loving it so much i loved working with john and i loved you know when you have a conversation with somebody and it's just like clicks and you don't have to really explain much you're just kind of there experiencing and talking about the same thing that's just that experience in a band is just really special to me and i've just you know i've been chasing it i've got it now and i'm, I'm very sure. appreciative of it that's amazing. Um, when did you guys, so like after you released that EP, uh, when did you, when, when did the music kind of take over as far as like more of like your full-time like job situation? Um, well, so we went in that kind of, you know, we kind of ended that with college ending and then I went out to LA and was in a band for a little bit playing, um, like a college circuit with my little sister. And then while I was doing that. Oh, she's a musician as well. Yeah. You can check her out. She's rad. Sunday lane is her name. Uh, I'm going to, she's uh, she just got her master's at Columbia. Uh, wow. Yeah. So we kind of, we kind of went different ways as well, but while we were, while we were doing that, I just was, well, I was writing these songs and Tyler, Tyler came out to Los Angeles and we met some other people in Los Angeles, uh, mostly this dude named James McAllister. And he helped us record all these songs. And it was just very quick. I mean, it was one of those things where I had been, you know, playing in some other projects and this one just took very little effort to get some momentum behind. I mean, a little team formed around it really quick and we were on the road just like that and, and just weren't never not touring we were just always wow. touring. okay so you was that the misty shrub ep is that the one you're talking about yeah so misty shrub and latico latigo were basically a record we did 12 songs we haven't uh we just actually put out chicken fried steak over uh over covid just to kind of put it out uh, but basically 12 songs were recorded Okay. We ended up re we ended up releasing them as two EPs, oh, and then okay. there, there are two tracks that never never end up going out. Okay, wow, that's incredible. So you just had the two? Did you release them in like you had the one EP and then you waited on the second EP, or you kind of did it as a big as a grouped thing? Yeah. Why did you split uh, them up? Well, we had a management company come in, and and I think at the time they realized we had a bunch of music and if we put it all out at once, we're going to need a bunch more music. And we hadn't ever played before. I mean, we were just so green in the live department. And so I think the idea was let's start playing and mm -hmm. let's start building a fan base on the road. And from there we can, you know, we can tour for a year and a half and then put out another EP of you know, similar music and mm -hmm. just keep touring. So it just kind of allowed us to get on the road and start playing. And, uh, 
and have a bunch of material to kind of support the band in doing mm -hmm. that. Wow. Wow. So you guys had never really played a show or play, you weren't playing too much and they put you on the, like a tour. Oh man, never. Yeah. We played, uh, what did we do? We, I remember we set up a little house show at the, at the shrub. We had this place up in Malibu. We recorded all these tunes and then, our first show ever was like this little acoustic set. It was crazy. Like a hundred people came up there, up to this little house. It was just jammed in there. And we played like six songs, I think something like that. And then just kind of had a party. And then a couple weeks later, we played Hotel Cafe with the same style set. Okay. And, and then um, went out with Ryan Bingham. You know, wow. Ryan Bingham? The name sounds familiar. He's cool. Uh He's very cool. He's like one of those real cowboy cowboys. Uh, okay. Yeah, you should check him out. But we went out and played. You know, we were called Bird Dog at that time. So we went on our first tour knowing that we were going to have to change the name because we were sent to cease and desist on it. Uh, oh, really? Went, yeah. <laughs> I was so talking to another band yesterday called Dispatch, but they had another name at the time. And it was the same thing. They got a season assist letter and I asked them if they kept it. Did you guys keep it? No, it was an email. Oh, it was an email. It was an actual like hard message. Yeah, or hard, I wish. Hard I wish mail. <laughs> a dispatch, man. That's funny. I listened to them all the time in high school. Oh, uh, really? <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah. Uh, what was I going to tell you? So, yeah, they, they, it was actually funny. They had the idea of they said we should do a, a battle of the bands for the name and they like come out to L come out to to new york they said and we'll play a show and like let the fans decide <laughs> that's actually a rad idea yeah oh, man obviously it we didn't were, happen because you would have crushed happen him. yeah we knew <laughs> we knew there was no chance we would win that battle so we just thought y'all keep bird dog there's like there's like 15 other bird dogs you can find on Facebook. So you guys have that name and we'll change it. But yeah, Bingham took us out and that was it, man. I mean, we never stopped. We just Bingham took us. And then I think we went out with um, the wild feathers. Then we went out with the, uh, Oh, another great band. I can't remember, but a bunch of like these folky, you know, <laughs> kind of folky rock outfits and, it was just one support tour after another. Wow. I know. I did see that you guys want, I mean, Band of Horses, Rainbow Kitten Surprise, uh, Lindsey Beckham. Like, I mean, those are huge names. Yeah. And did those uh, tours come a little bit later? Yeah. They, uh, I'm trying to remember when Rainbow Kitten Surprise was a couple after, after the wild feathers so this was all i guess like we started touring in 2016 i think rainbow kin surprise was somewhere in 2018 and then we did another big one with uh judah and the lion oh and wow they were that was kind of when they had a song going at radio i can't remember what oh, it was called, uh they had wow take, oh, it so all you, back. take it all back so you were touring with them when that song came out whoa that's huge yeah, so that was like kind of that was like the tour before they got, I think, extra big. But they were, you know, they were doing like two twenty five hundred tickets. So we were huge. We were in front of big crowds. And that tour was actually really awesome. A, because those are like the most tender, sweet people in the in the world. Jude and the Lion, all of those guys. Uh, 
I actually just saw them at a at a wedding, which was pretty fun. But oh, that's but cool. their their fans were like all young church camp girls <laughs> at these shows, and they like have we can't go play a show now where we don't have Jude and the Lion fans at them, and they've been like amazing the best fans ever. Yeah. Wow. And then Lindsey Beckenham, that's crazy too. I mean, Fleetwood Mac to share a stage with them. Man, it was wild. Yeah. I mean, that all. How did that tour come about? I mean, I'm sure you guys were fans of of the band. Yeah. Um, He was on, I mean, if I can tell you the exact way it came about, he was on, he was putting out a record with Christine McVie and they were on tour with the Wallflowers. And the Wallflowers, I don't know if they had to jump off or were scheduled to jump off, but they jumped off and a story goes like our, our guys at CAA threw in our name for an opening slot. And, uh, Lindsay, I mean, he actually, he came into our dressing room and told us he heard morning light and a song of ours, morning light. And yeah. and just said, he thought it was rad. That's so incredible. He, he asked us to come and open that show. So we opened three shows for him. Uh, one was at the Greek which was crazy and then wow. one was that uh, was in new york at a famous ballroom that i, I just i'm so bad at remembering uh, i shouldn't be allowed to do these interviews because i never <laughs> epic place we played That's but right. at that one in new york he was coming off the stage and he said just like sweaty he was sweaty i mean i'll never forget it we're standing there all of us like watching them and he comes out and he's like man, you guys were great again tonight. This has been so much fun. And he goes, hey, we're doing 28 more days in two weeks. He's like, would you guys be interested in going on that? And we're like, yes, of course. And then two days later, we got the actual offer. So wow, we we did a whole month with him and and, uh, Miss McVie. That's incredible. Wow. Those shows must have been huge, right? Yeah, I think that was... uh, that'll that'll forever be one of the most incredible things i've done uh, or got to experience because you know it was like the most beautiful rooms in the country and then uh it was all catered so we like we we have breakfast lunch and dinner if we can make it to those things were there for us to eat but what was so wild was we would go in and majority of the time they the, the audience wouldn't even know there was an opener and a hundred percent of the time they wouldn't know who we were so we would come out every night to a completely seated auditorium of you know three to four thousand people and everyone would be seated i mean it was never like walking up to a, a club where everyone's standing and there's that rock and roll energy i mean it was like an older demographic and everyone's in chairs and it would be just dead silent and we would go into our first tune and like it was the most intimidating thing i've ever done in my life but like by the third song every night i mean i can remember the moment every night when it would change and it was so it was so fun i mean it was such a great experience and just kind of learning to be your own version of confidence and not not like pulling off the crowd for it. You know what I'm saying? And mm-hmm. we'd just come in there, dude. We'd be like 
don't know why we're here. We're so grateful to these guys. <laughs> like, thank you so much for showing up early. We're Will Dorado, and we just smashed through some songs. And I think everyone just kind of, it was just a blast. I mean, we just, we just allowed ourselves to be humble about it all. And, and the band was so receptive to that. And God, their band was so, was so cool. And we watched them every single night from the same place. And it was just, man, I'll never, ever forget it. It was so fun. That is amazing. I, yeah, I can't imagine how intimidating that must be showing up to the stage, 4,000 people all seated, just eyes on you like you're like they're at some Broadway show or something. Well, yeah, I mean, you were, <laughs> you were nothing but the thing between them and what they were there to actually see. I mean, that, right. that, was, that was our status at the beginning of every single one of those gigs. Pretty crazy. <laughs> So tell me, was that what year was that? Was that around uh, Favors? Was that record out at the time? So Favors, I remember we were recording it. Uh, we got the mixes back for Favors, excuse me. And and I'll never forget, they like listened to it in their bus and, and the band came in and kind of like gave us notes on it. They were all stoked wow. on the songs and they had, they had been hearing us play those songs every night. Uh, yeah, so Favors got released, I think, right after that Buckingham tour, um, which had been in 2018. Wow. And did you guys tour that record, too, I'm sure? Yeah, so I think off Favors, we did our first headline. Uh, and we what did was that deal. like? It was cool, man. I mean, it was... It was uh, remember, we, uh, we played in Las Vegas to six people one night. Uh, we did a night in, um, <laughs> where were we? We were somewhere in between San Francisco. I can't remember the name of the town. You could probably guess somewhere between San Francisco and LA. And, and there were no joke, four or five people in that room, but oh it was God. like from that size to like, I remember we sold out a little place in Denver and there is a couple of nights we got close to three, 400 tickets and, uh, yeah, you know what I mean? It's like this cool combination of just going. It was very interesting having done almost three years of supports mm -hmm. to doing the first headline. And like, no matter how small or big it was, it was very cool to see like this. These people are just here to hear our band. And mm -hmm. uh, it was very impactful. It was really cool. And I don't think we've so we've done maybe one or two more. We've done two headlines, I think. And that's it. And everything else has been support. Okay. Wow. And especially like, where were you guys when, when like COVID hit, were you on a tour or doing a support tour? Yeah. So we had just, we just finished a long run with Mount joy. Oh, okay. Uh, that band's great. Yeah. Another one of my kind of honestly favorite bands and favorite people combos. And we had, uh, what happened? We played March 1st at, a festival in um, Phoenix, Innings Fest. It's like a baseball thing. It's cool. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. That, I remember seeing that festival. It was right around um, when they do the spring training out there, right? That's exactly right. So, like, okay. some MLB players are there, and they do some, like, meet and greet stuff. And then Was Weezer on that one? I can't Weezer remember. was on it, and yeah. you're right. And then so was Death Cab. Okay. I remember the thing was we it was like COVID was in the air as, as creepy as that is like probably literally. But uh -huh. but uh, it was like the buzz was like 
that was March 1st. So it was just when some outbreaks had happened, I guess, in Seattle and New York. And mm-hmm. everyone was kind of talking about it. Uh, and so you we were walking around the festival and I don't know, it was just a weird vibe. It wasn't like we shouldn't be here, but it was the beginnings of like, should we be here? You know what I mean? I, like, what is this thing? Is it going to be a thing? Uh, I'll never forget that Death Cab came out and or di- either they didn't come out or played a song and left. Oh, and wow. It was, like, it was like the buzz around the fest was everyone migrate you know how that happens at a festival like the stage leaves and everyone goes to the other stage uh-huh. that happened and they all went to death cab and we were on our way over there and and the crowd came back and everyone was kind of angry and confused and it was like yeah they they bailed wow i didn't he- i didn't hear that news that's yeah, wow. crazy yeah and, and probably props to them they probably just had a conviction about like i mean who knows they made they made a decision that only they can they can defend and I'm sure they just had a conviction about it, but, but like, yeah, it's crazy. So it's like, it was all just happening at that. Fest. It's such a weird thing to be at. Looking yeah. Back. Well, but we were, I was going to say like, maybe that's why <laughs> Ben Gibbard ended up going live on his Instagram for like every, he said he was going to do it every day of the pandemic. I don't know if you remember that in the beginning, he, he went on and like live did a live stream every day for so I don't know, maybe like a month or something. Why. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> it I makes sense now. He felt bad about his fans, probably. Who knows? Who knows? They're so <laughs> awesome, though. Uh, he 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 really yeah. We've seen them at a couple of fests. I, we're all big big fans of Death Cab. Mm-hmm. But yeah, that was the thing at that fest. I mean, no one no one really knew why, and I'm just it's just one of those things that will always stick out to me. But we went home and. I mean, what was it? So a couple weeks later, like all all the country started shutting down. We had some more dates set up with uh, Mount Joy. And then we were going to go do a whole run with Barnes Courtney. Oh, yeah. I know. I, I've met him a few times. He was a funny guy. He's He was, uh, we didn't, never got to meet him. But, you know, we had some interactions on Instagram. He sent us lots of videos in our Instagram messages that were pretty funny. But, uh we were looking forward to that and you know, it just kind of crept up and got canceled. And then, oh my gosh. I mean, the, the wild thing was, so let me know if I'm talking your ear off. I'm kind of, no, like this is, I up. love this. Uh, this okay. is the whole point of the, the, the podcast is just to let you tell your story. Let me ramble. <laughs> let you ramble. No one cares about me and what I'm saying. Uh, so we are, <laughs> we're at home and, and we've got this record like 65% done, 70% done. And I think we had like a week scheduled to do more um, with our, the guy who produced the Chad Copeland in Norman, Oklahoma at Blackwatch Studios. And the dates got canceled. And so it was like, oh my gosh, now we just get to, stay home and and finish the record because what would have happened is we would have had those five days and then we would have been on the road all may and like everything else we've ever made had to mix the record on the road and had given it was dude it's always like all right here's the mix and we need your notes by this afternoon and we're like 
all popping in our earphones and like trying to talk about it in the van. And it's just like always this expedited deal. So instead we just sat at home and <laughs> spent like a month more in the studio and did a bunch more songs and, and just had like the time of our lives making the record sound the way we wanted it. And then Ryan Hewitt mixed it out in Nashville and we spent like three weeks with him. I mean, we'd like go over a tune and then like set it down for a couple of days and come back to it. And I mean, it was just like the most wonderful experience ever and all at home and with our families. And it's just dude, a freaking rule. I mean, the, the way it would have gone otherwise, I don't know how we would have survived it to tell you the truth. I mean, we were just all exhausted and there was so much, there was so much confrontation over some songs and, and it would have just been like so rushed and we would have had to make such important decisions in like the worst state of mind. And uh, yeah, I mean, in some ways I, I, I really think this pandemic made Will Dorado be able to keep being a band just because we were able to really make some really important decisions kind of in a peaceful state of mind. And, rested yeah uh, it was it was epic it definitely had the po you're so yeah positive impact on the on the album i would think man 100 percent. yeah and we got to take some time to like just really hash out some things and hash out some songs and you know it was it was i just really think it was amazing i'm i'm so grateful that we got a chance to pause and not have we didn't have to provide ourselves with that pause you know what i mean it just kind of like came up and mm -hmm. so um yeah it's wild was that the inspiration for take some time or was no, that a wrote, song that was already done prior i i wrote that prior uh but you know like so many of the, the songs i write like kind of no idea what i'm saying while i'm writing it just kind of like feeling it out right you know right what i'm thinking and it's so wild how that tune like spoke so much more to me all through the pandemic than it did kind of while I was writing it. Uh, but yeah, that's fun. I mean, that tune kind of sat in the environment well. Sure. And I mean, we were talking earlier about the remixes and that was just something that came later. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, you can understand we're left with instead of, so now the question is how do you put out the record? We can't support it. I mean, Will Dorado's only marketing scheme forever has been playing shows. Right. Out, you know I mean? Record tour, record tour. Yeah. We're not one of those bands that have like figured out how to be hot social media guys. Like we're, we're, <laughs> not we're a lot all, of people are able to do that, man. I mean, it's, it, is, it sucks and it's soul crushing. It's like, it's something we're trying to figure it out still is like, how do we be present online without having our souls just pancaked? But, uh, <laughs> So, yeah, I mean, it, basically what we were left to figure out is how do we how do we keep the record and not do anything for a year? You know what I mean? So one of the strategies was the remix. And then in, another thing we did was just put out some songs we weren't ever going to release. Uh, so some of those early songs from 2020 won't make that aren't going to be a part of the record. Correct. Like the Revenant won't be um, CF or CFS cfs won't be okay but we just kind of thought like you know what's why are we just sitting on these songs maybe they're not the same vibe as some other stuff and that's why we weren't going to release them but instead it just became this thing of like 
man, why are we being so precious about all of this stuff? And, and I think that's something like we kind of had to shake off ourselves as a band in general and, mm-hmm. and getting to take this long pause really helped with that. Uh, but yeah, so we, you know, that's when we're still trying to figure that out. I mean, touring starting to happen now. Uh, some dates yeah. are starting to formulate in the fall, but like, that's what we are left figuring out. We had, a, we had a finished record. We couldn't tour it. So if we just released it, you know, it would be kind of doing it a disservice. So the remix thing, man, helps. That helped a lot. It really did well for our streaming and it, it kind of gave us some content to ride for several months. It was mm-hmm. good. Mm-hmm. And was there a decision that, that, you know, those earlier songs that you put out in 2020 weren't going to be a part of the record? Were they already not a part of the record and they were just going to be singles at some point? They were already not a part of the record and we're okay. probably just going to fall into the abyss of songs where, oh, where, okay. all, the, where all the songs go to, the, to die or whatever, <laughs> whatever they, wherever the, they go. But the new song, uh, Head Right, the one that you guys just released, will so take some time and Head Right will be a part of the new record coming out? Correct. Okay, tell me about Head Right. Head Right... Uh, man that long battle with that tune that that song is just kind of like written in in the throes of a exhausted headspace uh and it was you know it's a i think what i love about head right is it was it was written in a way where we just kind of strapped on guitars and bashed through a rock and roll song mm-hmm. and uh and that that's just kind of how it will live for forever i think it was one of those songs that just kind of came up in a in a period of time and then i was able to express actually how i was feeling pretty in a pretty straightforward manner and um yeah it's just kind of a take it or leave it tune you know what i mean that's what i, I love about that song it, there's just you know we went through this this time and place of dropping some seriousness and just allowing ourselves to have fun and the song that song kind of spoke something that i needed to hear and yeah there it is <laughs> It'll live forever that way. Sure, sure. And then are those two songs pretty, uh, like, do they set a pretty nice tone for what the rest of the record is going to sound like? I think so, because they're they're so different. And that's something I've had so much fun with this band, is like we have such a, a large spectrum of, of writing going on, uh, which is just kind of how it has worked out. We've never really put many, many barriers on how we write uh and that's kind of how the record is it just is there's it's just such a great you know nothing's really the same on the record which i really am proud of uh and the next song we're putting out kind of is another show of that you know it's definitely got the vibe of it is definitely a you know there's some there's it's kind of got this rock and roll thing going on through the majority of the record but it's just very Will Dorado that's why I love so so much about it and I mean all of Will Dorado has been kind of chasing putting a record out we started by making a record and then put it out as two EPs and have just been on the road ever since chasing that moment to you know put out our first LP so we finally did it we got to finish it in such a beautiful way uh I I just I love the record so much that for so many reasons. I love it. I can't wait to hear the the rest of the album. And I want to say, speaking of your social media, 
Um, I love the the one size fits all hoodie post that you <laughs> sweatshirt post that you did with the baby. With the baby. Yeah. yeah. And, and the big old sweatshirt. And then there's a dog in the sweatshirt. <laughs> yeah, dude. Pretty funny stuff, dude. Pretty funny. That, that's Tyler's little girl, Tulip, and his dog, Rooney. Okay. <laughs> yeah, super creative. When this one size fits all <laughs> hoodie. Um, <laughs> I love it. Well, thank you so much for doing this, man. I really appreciate it. Dude, for sure. It was fun talking to you. I have one more question before I let you go, though. I want to know if you have any advice for aspiring artists. The best advice that was given to me and us was to just keep going as simple as that is. I think, you know, if, if, if what you're doing is something that you should be doing, then you should have the ability to recognize that and, and just keep going. If it's something that you shouldn't be doing, then try and recognize that as well. But I, I think you just have to be true to what, who you are and what you're doing. And if, if there are signs to keep going, take those signs and keep going, man. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Like in everything in all of life, ask questions, seek advice, seek counsel. And uh, yeah, just keep going, keep doing it. Write songs. Have it be about, have it be about songs and not your career. That'd be my advice. <laughs> <laughs>